Join over 400,000 people just like you and I who are taking control of their wellness journey with Biome. Get personalized and precise recommendations on how to optimize your health and help you function at peak performance. Based on your results from blood, stool, and now saliva, the Viome Full Body Intelligence Test tells you what foods you should eat and what foods you should avoid and why. They're also the only company in the world to offer custom pre-probiotics and precision supplements which are made to order and only include the ingredients in the precise dosages that your body needs and nothing that it doesn't. Shop now at Viome.com, V-I-O-M-E, dot com forward slash good currency and save fifty dollars on our full body intelligence test or bundle it with code currency 50 i don't care if i'm on a bus mm-hmm. or a plane or a train or the street or the slum or the boardroom i'm genuinely interested in learning from the person next to me because i honestly believe that human adds value to our collective story. And we learn something that makes us all better, no matter who we're speaking with. And you have to honestly believe that to have meaningful conversations with everyone. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony. And Tobias. We're excited here. Another episode where we get to sit down with an incredible human being who's done so much in the world. I've known about her i've been to her events but it was through another podcast guest that we had that recommended that we interview the amazing carrie rich and so we're excited to have her on carrie believes in making the world better through business and leadership and she's definitely put that to practice that's why she co-founded the global good fund 10 years ago to invest in high potential overlooked social entrepreneurs through her experiences at the global good fund she created a sister company because she saw how many entrepreneurs need access to capital to scale. She went on to launch the, Clo- the Global Impact Fund, which is dedicated to investing in socially impactful businesses, primarily led by black, brown, and women founders. Go for you, Carrie. Gary's fourth book, Impact the World, Live Your Values, and Drive Changes as a Citizen Statesperson, was published this year in May and is a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. Carrie is a recipient of many awards, including the Politico Women Who Rule Award, Washington Business Journal 40 Under 40, Entrepreneur.com's Top 30 Startups to Watch, Stevie Award for Women in Business, Asian Social Innovation CEO of the Year, and many, many more. Carrie's fundamental message is about accessibility. Everyday people can empower themselves and others. Welcome to the show, Carrie. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's amazing. Like you, you know, you just, there's so much you've accomplished and it it says 40 under 40. It looks like 20 under 20. I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, thank you. So there's so much to go into and we want to dive into your past. Um, obviously global good fund, global impact fund, the book, this is all, all great questions of leadership. I think we can learn. But because I mentioned it in the bio, what is a citizen statesperson? Yeah, thank you for the question. And and thank you for reading that bio because, you know, when you when I hear it, I'm like, okay, you put it all together and it's something. But I got to tell you, day to day, I'm just like everyone else trying to put one foot in front of the other and do my part to make a dent in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciate hearing it, you know. <laughs> 
yes. shared in a big picture. Um, and being a citizen states person means just that you you see what you can do day to day to make the world a bit better. And um, there's all different ways to do that. For a citizen states person, you know, I try to leverage relationships with organizations and institutions that already exist and pull people together around a common cause, which is a little bit different than, you know, taking to the streets and being an activist. It's a little different than being uh, one off. It means leveraging what already exists uh, to bring people together around a common purpose. Makes a lot of sense. It kind of reminds me of what I what people often refer to me as, and I and it, it was something that I I guess I just had to just embrace and 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 like, but is most like a master connector, like really about connecting the dots, and that's really what you 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 are like the master, you're the Jedi master <laughs> of connecting those for good, and that really kind of falls into the definition that you just gave. Yes. Uh, what I have come to learn, and it was not obvious to me at the beginning, is that, you know, you go through life and pick up different experiences along the way and connect with different kinds of people. And, you know, for me, it's connecting with people on the front lines of society, on the streets, and also with people in the boardrooms. And you have to be able to do both as a social entrepreneur. You have to be able to connect people who otherwise wouldn't connect around a shared purpose if we're going to, you know, move the world forward and create a better place. I mean, that's that's what we talk about on a daily basis. Oh, well, I'm sitting here. I got so much. I know you do. That's why I, I, <laughs> I I'm so trying much. to get the words in now. <laughs> I got so much. Um, in, in, in looking at your your past, as he called it, uh, before we go into the deeper things or the professional, I know that your parents had a great influence on your life, especially in the high school years, with this notebook. And uh, can you give our audience and myself some more about this notebook between you and your father? People who listen to the podcast know, yes, I love my parents, but me and my father have a very special relationship and what I've accomplished in life was a lot due to his investment in me and mm -hmm. I invested in other people and I see that same a part of your early story so can you give us a little yes. and I think that oh, will thank you for be asking the, about the roadmap so to everything you've accomplished uh you know, yeah. thus far well if my home were burning down right now the mm. one item that I would go pull is the book from my dad yes. um, with his handwriting and yes. um he asked for my high school graduation, is there something you want as a gift? And I thought about it and I found this book that had writing prompts yes. and uh, it was for me to give my dad on his, really for him to fill out his philosophy on life. Yes. And part of what I love are his answers, which I can share with you. And the other part I love is the way he approached answering the questions, which was before he wrote in the book, I watched him, you know, for hours and days, write out his answers. Right. So they, you know, he would really reflect on the questions and script, you know, think about what his thoughtful answers would be and then write it in the book. And, you know, a few of the things about my dad, um, who you choose to spend your life with, that's a big part of your happiness or sorrow in, mm. in this world. That was one lesson I learned. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what your bank account is that, 
living a life that's devoted to other people that's right. is what matters. That re- obviously resonated with me. And I think the other takeaway was just he made little things fun. You know, for example, before it was time to take a shower as a kid, we had competitions with who could get their clothes in the laundry (laughs) and how to do that. And so taking an elevator, getting a shower, like that was just fun. We learned how to have fun in the day to day. And when you can have a good sense of humor and enjoyment out of the day to day, because life life can be tough. Um, Even for people who have come from a place of privilege, life, life can be hard. And to be able to bring that kind of joy uh, and optimism and, and just fun to each situation. Um, it's really helped me get through because it's not an easy journey being a social entrepreneur. Oh man. Uh, when you said about joy, and I, I, I love the quote that you said, it was wherever I found it at. You said your daddy found joy in moments that most people don't find joy. Yes. yes. I was like, wow. You know, to this day. I mean, I would find him mowing the lawn whistling. Yes. I mean, yeah. he was just happy. Yes. Like, who is he with? He would be talking. Like, who is he talking? He's just yes. happy. Yes. I said, Dad, why are you laughing? Yes. I'm happy. Yes. And you another know? one is, and I'm pretty sure that uh, this will chime in to Tony's questions, what he said about success. He said a few things about success, but one thing is he said the line between uh, being an idiot and being a genius, something to that extent, uh, you know, somebody will make a business and it'll fail and all oh, that person's a plum idiot. And then the next yeah. person will do the same thing. And, oh, my God, that was simply genius. I know I'm not saying it how it was written, it but that's the point. And uh, yeah. Yes. So how did that uh, lesson affect you at such a young age of being a senior in high school and bring you on your periphery to all the great accomplishments that you've made in your life such, uh, you know, so far? I think knowing that I would be accepted by mm. my parents, the people who love me most, regardless of whether I was considered a genius or idiot by the rest of the world, Come on. you know, it has to have a profound impact because it communicated to me that they believed in me. Mm. And then I went out and told other people who no one else took a chance on, mm. I believe in you. Mm. <laughs> and I ha- if I had not come from that family, I don't know that I would have been able to communicate that message to other people. Yeah, you gave it and you paid it forward, which is your career has been paying it forward. So although many people may be listening to this don't have that parental guidance or that experience, they have you paying it forward and teaching, which is great. And this is this is the beauty that even when our two worlds come together, you just realize that there's so many different opportunities and different ways in which you can give back. In your book, John C. Maxwell gave a gave a forwarder and he said leadership isn't a noun. He said it's active, it's vigor, it's dynamic, it's energetic, it's not a title that you're just given and you're just automatically a leader. And he said it's available to all with character and determination. And then he says, obviously talks about you and your co-author. And so can we talk about that? Like when you and this reflects about what your dad was saying and I guess in general the you took on these, this this leadership role clearly to give back and to connect. Um, can we focus on that and going into why you started the Global Good Fund? Yeah, I had a wonderful mentor who was my boss at the time. I was working in healthcare, and you know, I'll just backtrack a little further. The way I met him 
you know, one of the other lessons my father taught me was that extra credit is not extra. That's mm. right. Definitely. And when I was in seventh grade, the teacher would give us all these extra credit assignments. And the expectation of my family was you you always do extra credit. You don't need to earn points. You you always do extra. It's not extra credit. It's expected. And so that philosophy played into how I approach different jobs. And no matter how seemingly menial the job is at hand, I try to be the best I can possibly be at doing the job. So I was in graduate school and I really needed this internship to graduate from health administration program. And uh, to do that, I got given the task of mopping the floor in the hospital, which is a really beautiful task, let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, pushing the snack cart, taking attendance. So these were, you know, lower level jobs. And I just tried to be the best I could possibly be at mopping the floor and the best I could be at handing out snacks or folding the laundry or in the best case, taking attendance because who should walk in the room at one point to this meeting, but the CEO of the whole company. <laughs> And when that happens, you know, he he has to introduce himself to me just like everybody else so I can write his name down. And uh, from that, I ended up, you know, parlayed that into a job opportunity. And he really invested in me. He sponsored me. He pulled me up. He knew that as an early careerist, I didn't have experience in what he was asking me to do. But he gave me the platform resources and coaching and the belief in me that I could do it to help me grow. Yes. And because I was working for a healthcare organization, when he invested in me, I turned around and invested in supporting the health of the community. Yes. Yes. And from that, we started thinking, you know, gosh, if we could find other young people who are committed to making the world a better place through their work and pair them with seasoned business executives who know what they're doing and also have a heart of gold, that could be such an amazing catalyst yes. for good. Yes. And that's really how the Global Good Fund was born. Carrie, Carrie, please, please, Tony. <laughs> I know the story. So I've been sitting here waiting. Uh, you did share it for whatever reason, so I'm going to share it, and maybe you can go off into it. It was her approach because she said she figured out how everybody seen this person, and they straightened up in the room so she knew that this guy was a big shot. So she, you know, and correct me if I'm reading or understanding the story no, wrong. Right. I got a vivid imagination, so I read stuff from there. <laughs> and so you said instead of talking to him about health care and medicine, you was going to talk to him about legacy. And yes. he lit up like a, a light bulb. And then that's yes. how the rapport started. So I wanted the audience uh, uh, to hear, and plus for Tony, it was the approach. Yes. And often I, I notice in learning from Tony, I'm more frontline. He's more boardroom. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the world that he's been connected to is our different means of approach. I approached the ground route a certain way, and I offered that to Tony. And Tony, he offer, uh, he offers me various approaches when I'm dealing with uh, people who come out of his realm of influence. Sure. So my point was to you, that was uh, like an excellent move uh, of right Thank there you. when I say, oh, approach. Everybody in the room is coming one way. And you said that was one thing about your family, that you come from people who lead. You know, you come from people who find the best way to find the best approach to put yourself in position. And it was one of legacy and not of healthcare, and thus the story. Yeah, and, and you know, when you, and you're making me think about how many meetings that have been really important 
purposeful meetings have come from situations where actually getting the meeting is the hardest part because people are busy and it's really hard to get those meetings. And what I've learned is uh, just showing up is really important that there are so many times when um, you just have to show up and a lot of people aren't willing to do what it takes to show up. Um, The other part of it is, kind of doing the unexpected, showing up in places that are unexpected. And so um, I've gotten, we we recruited a board member as another example by just standing outside the green room where I knew he would be speaking Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. not leaving until he came out. And there, you know, you have to be willing to show up and stand there um, and follow up and be patient and, you know, act with the, intention that you could actually add value to the partnership, even when there's no partnership, it's not clear how you would add value, but you know, you do that by doing what you're already doing, which is um, doing your homework and listening and knowing what matters to the other person and asking thoughtful questions that, that the other person cares about. And that's the same with, you know, I had done my homework to know that the CEO of this multi-billion dollar company had been building community infrastructure in Haiti for 25 years while simultaneously building Mm -hmm. this multi-billion dollar health system. And so obviously living a life of purpose mattered to him. And whereas everyone else was probably asking about healthcare and sophisticated healthcare IT questions, you know, I'm not adding value that way, but he, if he wants to be relevant, he needs to know what matters to young people and what matters to young people is building lives of purpose. And if I could ask him about that and learn from his expertise on that in a way that most people probably don't ask about, that was a way to be memorable and start building a partnership for something purposeful. Oh, Carrie, not only you did that, he created a new position for you. Yes. You feel me? He Come did. on, you know, this is like boss he level. Did. He did. Not okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just going to hire you and you find your place in here. No, I'm going to create a space for you to do you. And that led yes. to the global, uh, what you say, impact fund or the sister, yes. uh, a global yep. fund, good fund. Yep. It's just it's simply amazing. And, and you know, for me, coming out of incarcerated space, I've mopped plenty of floors, clearing plenty mm-hmm. of toilets. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, but if you, with the story, it's going to soon come out, the same toilet that I was mopping and cleaning, now I'm part owner of the half of the block, uh, you know, wiping tables and serving food. Uh, but I was intentional when I was doing it. Uh, you know, I knew exactly what I was planning. So the people who own the space is now our business partners. And so reading those in the story, that's real practical, especially for people who come from the demographic that I come from, that we are serious and intentional and loving about everything we're doing, even as, a sense, as something as simple as cleaning the floor, washing the table, and that we're going to take those opportunities to be our best selves and show up. So, uh Yes. And you, you know, one of the things I've learned is that every human adds value to our collective story. You have to believe that. I mean, if you're really going to believe in making the world a better place, you have to believe that every human adds value. And if you believe that, then you have an, you're open to having meaningful conversations with everyone, no matter where they are at this moment in life. And so, you know, I don't care if I'm on a bus mm-hmm. or a plane or a train or the street or That's the right. slum or the boardroom. I'm genuinely interested in learning from the person 
next to me because I honestly believe that human adds value to our collective story. And we learn something that makes us all better, no matter who we're speaking with. And you have to honestly believe that to have meaningful conversations with everyone. Karen, for you to be so successful in your life thus far, and I've noticed a theme, you know, I I listen, uh, learning. You have said the word learn, learning uh, from your early age to, you know, working with some of the most influential people in the world to this moment right here, whether it's in the boardroom or the slums, Learjetta, you know, riding the bus. Uh, it's a situation that we can learn from each other. And, I, you know, I just thank you so far uh, inside of this, this, this conversation. But these things are very important. Every human being has value and we can learn from each other. It reminds me of we had um, up on our podcast one of the co-founders and CEO of Giving um, – Robbie Tombowski, he said it's very similar, but he said in that there's, you know, billions of people in the world. How many are you going to possibly meet in your lifetime? Thousands, hundreds, whatever it may be. So every interaction really is important. That person is in your life for, you know, a reason. And so he really approaches it like not a game, but just really like, wow, like the Starbucks person in front of you or the barista or whoever it may be. And so I think if you have the philosophy of every human being is important and adds value. And there's so very few people you're actually going to meet in your lifetime compared to how many people exist. That means there is actually a special opportunity there. Yeah. So it's a really interesting way. I would also say, you know, you're pointing out this theme of learning and really genuinely connecting with other people. And what I've personally taken away is that I get rewarded for being genuinely curious. Mm. People want to support my learning. They want to share about themselves. It's natural. And they want to help me learn about what I'm curious about. And I think that's not unique to me. You know, it's it's generally um, welcomed when someone's actually curious to learn. It's something that people want to support. It's not threatening to anyone. And so, you know, whether you're a student listening to this or a mid-careerist or wherever you are in your journey, Expressing genuine interest around learning is something that's really warmly received. People want to support that. The the other takeaway I have from your comments, you know, sometimes, um, you know, that saying "Don't judge a book by your cover." Mm. I've I have learned that um, some of the most influential people in my life, they on first glance, um, there's a lot more under the surface. Mm. And uh, maybe they don't want to be that visible in how influential they could be. Mm. And so, you know, really not judging people and just seeing the opportunity before us as a learning moment has served me really well in putting one foot in front of the other in my own journey. I love that. I, I'll give an example that just happened yesterday. So my wife, well, there's a couple of things in the book um, that you talk about, and I know that I think one of the chapters or sub chapters is called your job is not you. And also leadership is storytelling, empathy, representation, perspective, self-reflection, flexibility, and teamwork. You start thinking about these, these words. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday, my wife came back from target and she Mm -hmm. said to me that she had the best experience checking out at target. She Mm -hmm. does every week she's there, but this particular cashier was like telling her 
to are you are you, you know you're a target member she says yeah well listen you need a you need a swipe here you need a swipe that you need a check for this you need a for all these discounts and so my wife was like oh you know i normally don't do that you know do all she's like no do it so she starts doing it while she's talking and then she's like oh did you know you can save this save that and she's like i have people that come in here part of my customers and she calls them you know that you know, I save forty dollars a month, and these people are on uh, stamps, That's right. and I take pride in this. And she's like, you know, and then there's other people who just, you know, just you know, look down upon me, maybe. But I look at every opportunity as a te- as an opportunity to teach and to help. And my wife was so impressed and so blown away. You know, she went to the supervisor and just wanted to say oh, thank wow. you for this person. And then she's wow. telling me this story. Who would have thought the next day it's on the podcast? We're talking about. And so this woman clearly didn't look at her job as her. She looked at it as a leadership position, even though she's a cashier at a Target. And she looked as an opportunity to help others. She took pride in that and made my wife feel really good. And anyway, so I just... I just wanted to talk what about something. What makes some of the, you feel really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just it feels it feels great. That's right. And we all have a chance to do that in our day to day. You know, we all have a chance to do, like you said, the the best we can possibly do at the job we have at hand or the task, you know, and do something that makes the world better for someone in our orbit. Discover how your gut biome, oral microbiome, and cellular health impact how you feel, how you age, and your overall health with full body intelligence. The most advanced at-home health test available. Simply collect your blood, stool, and saliva samples. Send them to BioLab and within two to three weeks receive your science-backed personalized health scores and food and supplication requirements. Use code CURRENCY50 to get $50 off of your full body intelligent test or bundle shop now at viome.com slash good currency and good currencies philosophy in the journal will we're gonna release soon um we talk about that which is your purpose in life is to do good for yourself and others daily and the yeah. key is to align your passions with your purpose and so that's really what we're saying here i mean is that you know when you look for these opportunities it's not just you know people say it makes you feel good it makes you feel happy but what an incredible thing if it's, it's actually you're living your purpose. It's yes. something that you were you were alive right now with the capabilities to make a difference. And so it's not just an extra thing. It's actually the sole purpose and reason why you exist. And so um, can we go back into some of these these um, these leadership qualities. I think just people listening because you standing out in, in front of a green room, you had to have storytelling. You weren't just hoping that a spark of genius would come up. You had to tell yourself a story that you're going to say. I'm sure you were ready to be a, you know, to say what you need to do. But just some of these storytelling, empathy, representation, perspective, self-reflection, flexibility, waiting, teamwork. I just felt like all those words made sense to you standing outside that green room. Yeah. So the way that story goes is, is I, you know, he had to come out. So I, I did get to interact and, you know, this was like, why would he care about me standing there? And this gentleman had just given a talk on living purpose through his company. So it was obviously relevant. And so I could directly address why I care about the same points that he does. And then he said, you know, nice to meet you. And we exchanged cards, but, um, you know, he's busy. So I had followed up 
and gotten a conversation in follow-up. And his message to me was, you know, I'm really busy for the next six months. Mm. Well, most people would have said goodbye. But for me, that was a note to follow up in six months. (laughs) So I put it in my calendar to follow up in six months. And he said, "Uh, I have commitments for the next year. And I said, okay, Um, I'm, is it okay if I coordinate with your assistant to check in every quarter for the next year? And then I know that once you're done with those commitments, we're first in line. And he thought that was absurd, but not only did we have those meetings, but I actually showed up to a different part of the country and met in person. And I basically didn't leave until he had no choice, but to, you know, there's always a choice, but he saw that we were serious and that I was trying to learn from him and that he could, here's the ways he could add value to the work that we were doing. And so he eventually said, yes, Um, he was an executive in the C-suite at Johnson and Johnson. And, you know, when you have that kind of credibility on your board and someone with that perspective helping to guide the growth of your organization, it makes a huge difference. But it didn't come easily. It came from not only standing outside the boardroom, but when it would have been easy to hear a no, I heard a like a slightly open door, maybe, <laughs> and just stick around for a year and a half uh, to talk about and listen to where our shared values were about, around purpose. And eventually that came to fruition. That, I mean, that's an amazing story because most of us, and I've gone through that, I've had that, oh, I'm busy. And you feel it's rejection. You know, you don't actually take yes. it for them <laughs> for what they're saying, which is I'm really just busy and I really can't help everyone or have the time. Yes. You didn't take it as rejection. You took it as, so there's a chance. That reminds me yes. of Dumb and Dumber, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and you know what? I think I'm just used to getting rejected, you know, for all the things that go well, 90% of the time I'm getting rejected. And so I know it's not personal. I've I've learned it's not personal. It is. And I don't have time. My money is not uh, allocated that way. I have too many commitments right now. You're not communicating with me the right way. Occasionally it's an actual no, but I've learned that even a no can sometimes be changed into a yes. And I experienced that firsthand with fundraising. I mean, fundamentally, a lot of my job is asking people for money to support uh, our shared values. And there's a lot of reasons why people can't allocate their resources at any given point in time, but I can always circle back and do a better job of explaining why our values are aligned, why they can make a difference, really moving money out of the center of the equation. And (laughs) I could show you an Excel spreadsheet of the 400 times in raising our impact fund that I was rejected And there are about nine of those times that we converted a no to a yes that represents seven figures. Mm. And that's seven figures that goes to back black, brown, or women entrepreneurs who otherwise would never have a chance. A couple things. Have have you read the book Influences Your Superpower by Zoe Chance? Zoe Chance? I love that book. Okay. Amazing. I fell in love with the book and reached out to her, and she was a big fan of our work. So I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. You were, I mean, she talks about everything you just explained in the book, um, how uh, the influence that you are having on others. Um, clearly, you've 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 sort of mastered this the the the, uh, the influence, which is incredible. Well, and you know what? It doesn't feel just so your listeners. You know, it's it doesn't feel like mastery when you're in living. Right, right, you know, right. it feels like rejection yes. on repeat. It feels like staying on the tightrope while you take a few steps forward and more steps back and drift from side to side, you know, just staying on the tightrope. And, um, 
I think it's important for listeners to know that it, it really doesn't feel like mastery Correct. <laughs> when you're walking on that tightrope just trying to stay on. It's true. It doesn't feel like it, but it's good to know either A, through your experiences, or B, when you read this type of books of the influence, is that it's, it's normal. And that there's, right. there's, it's just it, like, like the way your dad would mow a lawn. It's just perspective and being able to find the best in the situation. So it doesn't feel like mastery. Yes. But, um, right. it's just putting in perspective what it, what, you know, thinking the most, the best of the situation. Um, and like you said, sometimes right. there are a no is, is no, but, um, but sometimes it's just not now. And, and right. And I think also, you know, to your point, sometimes for me, it's been other people pointing out to me that this is actually important and you are doing a good job because when you're in the day to day of it, you know, you're doing these tasks that involve a lot of rejection or are, you know, administrative in nature, even though, you know, it's funneling up to a bigger purpose, it's, it's challenging. And for me, it's been having great board members who have said, you know, just stick with it or here's how we can help support you differently or better um, and it's, you know, specifically, it's been opportunities where uh, I question whether I'm the right person to do this work. And I get reminded by other people, you know, I have those moments and I get reminded by other people that, yes, you are in the right place. You are doing important work and we want to back you and we believe in you. And even when you get all these rejections or even when things don't work out exactly the way you would hope, you keep going. Amazing. So talk, talk to us about the difference between the Global Good Fund and, and, and your experiences creating it and then the Global Impact Fund. So the Global Good Fund, is that a nonprofit, for-profit? Yes. Global Good Fund is a nonprofit yes. organization. Yes. We've been around for 10 years in January. Um, and that for me is really important because so many startups, never mind nonprofits, don't stick around past right. the first couple of years, nor the first five, never mind the first 10. So we're just grateful to be in existence mm. for the last decade. And, you know, that started from the story that we shared about having a boss who really mentored in me, mentored me and invested in me and pulled me up. And um, that created a platform to find other young people who were using their lives for good through entrepreneurship. And our philosophy was that if we could bet on individual people, they would in turn grow their businesses and positively impact the world. And what we found is that the people closest to the problems are often the ones with the best solutions. And so what that looks like is about two thirds of the entrepreneurs we support through the Global Good Fund are black or brown entrepreneurs, half are women, and we don't have quotas. We're just picking the best entrepreneurs we can possibly find. And we run a 12-month fellowship program. This year, uh, about 4,000 people from around the world applied to be a Global Good Fund fellow. And we run them through a six-month filtering process to figure out who has that fire in the eye and hunger in the belly that no matter what hurdles get thrown before them, they're going to keep going. And they're full-time committed to their work. And they're ready to scale their business for good and are humble enough to recognize they need some coaching and philanthropic capital to take it to the next level. So the Global Good Fund runs a very structured fellowship program, and we've worked in more than 40 countries to date and across the United States. And what we found is 10 years ago, a lot of these companies were nonprofit organizations. And what we found has been over the last 10 years, actually a shift mm -hmm. in finding a lot more for-profit companies that can achieve both financial viability and social impact. Mm -hmm. 
we still support both nonprofit and for-profits uh, led by amazingly talented social entrepreneurs. But as a result of supporting more for-profit companies, tr very traditional venture capitalists started to approach us. And they wanted to cherry pick the best investment opportunities, which was really lovely for them because we do due diligence over six months, yeah. vetting thousands of candidates. We philanthropically support through capital and coaching of coaches who are business executives, uh, as well as mentors who have run $40 million to $60 billion companies, one-on-one -on -one mentoring these emerging social entrepreneurs. We also track quarterly indicators. So leadership development, business growth, and social impact quarter over quarter. So we know who's performing. And these VCs who are very traditional VCs dropped in and said, who could we invest in? Mm -hmm. And after going through that exercise, it dawned on me sort of why would we just hand over the best deals? No. It's really great for them and great for the entrepreneurs also. But what about the Global Good Fund that's done all this work? What's in it for Global Good Fund beyond a pat on the back? And so... <laughs> I learned a little bit about venture investing enough to be dangerous and asked 100 people if they would give me, who had no business investing their money, 50 grand each to invest in socially impactful businesses that could generate market-leading financial returns, the same financial returns you would get in any traditional VC, but exclusively investing in social impact companies. And at 10 people said yes. So we had a $500,000 first fund. And I share that because, you know, I looked at that and said, like, who cares? It's a $500,000 fund. It's so small. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening, you know, the point is to start That's and right. try something, mm -hmm. do what you can to make a little dent. And then what I realized, which was pointed out to me by our investors, is that our first fund financially has performed at three times the financial performance of a traditional, very well-performing venture capital fund. And 80% of the portfolio companies are led by black, brown, or women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And that led us to raise a $10 million fund, which is our second global impact fund, which is also performing very well financially and is run by 80% black, brown, or women entrepreneurs 100% of which are running socially impactful companies. And Global Good Fund, as a nonprofit, is both a feeder of entrepreneurs right. who could be considered by the fund, as well as a recipient, so that when these companies have a liquidity event or an exit, when they're acquired, a portion of the money is put back into Global Good Fund. And I'd also add that, you know, both our donor base from the Global Good Fund and our investor base at the Impact Fund is Black, Brown, and women-led which is very untraditional yes. in the traditional VC market. So yeah, it's just an honor really to be able to support entrepreneurs who the traditional market, you know, 0.8% of money goes to black led companies. 80% of our fund goes to black or brown That's or right. women led businesses. Mm -hmm. And so it's a market opportunity. It's a financial yeah. opportunity. It's just a business mm. opportunity. We don't even have to do it for the reasons of a moral compass, but it also turns out it's the right thing to do. That's right. Amazing. And so just for the audience, Global Impact Fund is a for-profit venture company that was born out of the experience and the necessity of the opportunity that the Global Good Fund, which is a nonprofit, and they that's why we call, or you called it a sister company. They work hand in hand. Now, yes. your energy, your professional time is more focused now currently on the Global Impact Fund? 
So Global Impact Fund doesn't exist without the Global Good Fund. Correct. Because, and I think it's really important to point this out, you know, <laughs> nonprofit organizations do a lot to pull people together mm -hmm. and put resources, both in terms of time and money, where traditional market forces don't play. And so the Global Good Fund has created a pipeline of business opportunities that would not otherwise be considered by a traditional venture capital market. So I think the Global Good Fund's mission could not be more important, yes. not only for the world, but also for venture capital investing, yes. for this for-profit company. So I'm the CEO of Global Good Fund and the managing partner at the Impact Fund. Amazing. And one doesn't exist Boss, without the other. Boss. Um, <laughs> Jesse Draper, uh, she was on the, our podcast as well. She's a friend. But she also is the managing director and founder of Halogen Ventures, which is 70%, 80 90% women-led mm -hmm. minority-owned businesses. She also has a podcast she just launched. We need to connect you to. That would be amazing. You know, she, Thank you. She's definitely connected on the West Coast side of things and you know that sort of deal flow. And you guys have the same ethos when it comes to the impact and, you know, just in, in general, you know, I'm sure a lot of the venture capitalists that you're talking to just by sure what Jesse was saying are men. Um, and yes. so here there's an opportunity to um, unite an, another Ooh. powerful woman uh, venture capitalist. Yeah. And I would, that would be wonderful. And thank you. And I would also just like to add in, you know, I'm all for women supporting women and also, you know, we have a women's giving circle through Global Good Fund that exclusively is women executives philanthropically supporting emerging women entrepreneurs. Um, and I couldn't be more proud to be part of that. I would also point out that men have been completely instrumental in my life and my mm -hmm. leadership journey. I would not be where I am, nor would I be able to support other people the way I do without having mentors yes. who have really um, seen me for my potential and also understood that as a woman, there are um, unique challenges to uh, making it all happen and work together. And they've really invested in me to become the best version of myself that I can be. So shout out to um, the men in my life who have right. made it all possible from yeah. our, our co-founder to our board chair to my better half. You know, it, it takes... Everyone Your working father. together. Uh, yeah, I know his father off the top. I had it. But, 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 but right. and I think, you know, to those listening, it's not about, to your point, it's not about uh, if you promote one, it's about, you know, uh, rejecting the other. Or right. it, it is about coming together and seeing the opportunity. And Absolutely. I think, you know, what Jesse does and what you're doing, a lot of the reasons I think you're your returns are better, not just because I'm sure it's properly managed in your investments, but the due diligence and the fact that you're putting, you're seeing the things that the others just don't see there, you know, if you give them, if you, if you look at every human being that adds value and you take what we said earlier, so then you look at the, the venture capitalists, you say, okay, there are human beings, they add value, but they just maybe see the same deal flow constantly. So they're just right. stuck in the same deal flow. And it's shocked when you read that 97% or 99% of their investments fail. And you're like, well, how is that possible? But they make all their money off those one to 3% or whatever the world yes. is. So for you to have those, so I think it's just a matter of, you know, there's a thing that we say where Oprah's known for saying, if you know better, you do better. And Tobias says, actually, it's if you feel better, you do better. Mm. And so I think a lot of times, you know, you're taking what you're experiencing with the Global Good Fund, right. the impact you're having, 
the feelings that you're getting also from the feedback from these entrepreneurs, I think that's what's carrying over into the returns. I mean, the you're making people feel valued. You're making people feel you're giving them coaching. You're doing more than just giving them a check and saying, good luck. No. You know, so there's a whole bunch of experiences and emotions of leadership that's going into it. And just congratulations. It's, it's really wonderful to, to see. And, and, and what year was the, the global impact fund created? Six years ago, we created the first fund cool. and actually last year was our second fund. Wow, um, and I imagine there'll be a family of funds. So, Good. you know, it's, re- there's a lot of pressure to make sure that, we can deliver really strong financial returns by investing in a different market segment than what the traditional market looks at. And, you know, just to point out, we're creating wealth along the way for people who are never previously invited to the party as investors. So at every level, you know, you you can't help but look at the the system and the people when you're building your own ecosystem and think, yeah, I'm inspired to keep going. Do you, did you notice post pandemic, the shift in the way in which we, you know, pre-pandemic, we knew about millennials and Gen Zs giving back, caring more, volunteering Mm. more, wanting to choose a brand that gives back with impact over. But it feels like the C-level, the CMOs, the different departments of these bigger companies weren't connecting so well. But post-pandemic, it feels like all these major brands are now realizing like, you know, they have to have this type of impact. Like it just makes good business sense in that transparency. And, and it seems like you're in a perfect position right now, given the environment. You have to figure out how to do something, capitalize on that. But, exactly. you know, I think there were a variety of factors um, and social issues that happened during the same time as COVID yes. um, that brought to light a bunch of issues and causes that people should step up and care about we'll see jury is out on whether the resources are actually deployed to address the causes that are at the forefront. Uh, I do think global good fund is very well positioned as is the impact fund to make a tangible difference where people actually want to put their resources behind causes that matter and do well and do good at the same time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, you know, Carrie, this is just exciting to meet a true leader and someone who is is you're practicing what you preach and what you or what you've been taught mm. it's an honor to know that i hope that as good currency studios and, and our living good currency podcast and and good news network i, I want to continue to just build this relationship and see how we can support each other and and really just connect you i you know just there's 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 People who write books, there's people who talk about it, but it's it's so awesome to just know that you're living it. And that's that's kind of why we call this podcast Living Good Currency, because we just feel like there's so many people that if we can just bring to the table and connect, um, we get these people who are just really living their truth. And and you really are. I mean, it's, it's really exciting and it's such an honor. Breathing it every you. day. Uh, Carrie, yeah. often, I wake up every day feeling grateful for the mm, opportunity grateful. to do this work. And I'm also grateful to you for um, giving a mouthpiece to the Global Good Fund and me. Of course. Carrie, I want to just offer this before we uh, end this conversation. Like on a grassroots level, you know, currently in Los Angeles, the LA City Council is having a scandal, a very ugly uh, scandal. But it's real, you know. And so people who are depending 
on statesmen and politicians to, you know, uh, deploy resources and billions of dollars into various communities. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of anger. So for me to be able to be directly connected to that group of individuals and families and communities and to have this opportunity to come up on these podcasts and to have direct connection yes, with people as yourself and the resources and it shows that there is another way. We don't always have to come begging folks for our resources. Yes. We can be leaders. We can take on. That's why me and Tony take plenty of and notes. There are good investments. So uh, I just wanted to say that because as I'm on, like you say, the front line, yes. the grassroots, seeking to encourage and show people different ways that we can address these issues that we're having in our country, that, uh, you know, this is a plausible that's not normally open to people on grassroots level, but it's open to me. Thus, it's a yes. door to other people. So this is one thing that's very important about our podcast and Living Good Currency is this bridge that we're making, brother. And it's real and it's tangible. And uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just want yes. to say thank you. Well, thank you both for having me. Carrie, thank you so much for your time. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Carrie Rich. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living Good Currency.